Hey guys, welcome back to the Elite Coaching Podcast. Now it's been a while since we've had a one days up and running. I do apologize for the absence. We're joined, joined by senior coach Julia today. How are you, Julia? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. And we literally just had a full conversation off camera. So a lot of people always ask that to start the camera. I start the conversations. How are you? And we have these like fake interactions, but we, we're both good, thank God. Um, we're gonna go through today some of the nutritional I suppose considerations when we're talking about a prep and just to give like our insights into the points that we want to speak about. I think they are quite important um, to address and quite important to bring up and hopefully you guys can take a lot away from them and we're going to try to keep things as, as simplistic as we possibly can and we just cover the points as best we possibly can. But before we get into this, the studio's first time on the podcast, I want to just get you to kind of give a bit of a background on yourself for the listeners and for clients of mine, clients of yours who might not have ever had this opportunity to hear a bit about your background before. So just kind of give us a bit of an intro into yourself and kind of what you've been doing up to this point. All right. Well, I'm Julia. I'm over here in the United States. I've been working with Adam for like about two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone through two photo shoot preps with him. Um, and then I came on board as a senior coach at Team AD Elite in August. So been a couple months. It's been a smooth ride. I'm currently on prep for my first show, which is going to be coming up in April. So kind of been a crazy ride so far, but it's been good. And that's, you know, I think I always get asked this, this question, you know, about like bringing people into the business and like some of the, like the characteristics that I always look forward in those individuals. And like just kind of what you said there, like you had a, a very, very strong background of walking the walk before you decided to like make that leap and actually start training people and guiding people throughout these processes. And I think a lot of like your positive characteristics are your ability to do that. Like you can diet really hard and I, I can push you very hard during the prep and you, you kind of, you kind of do it with a smile on your face. And I think that's such a, a really good position to be in as a coach, because you can gain so much context from just kind of doing what you do. But yeah, two years, that's been a long time, hasn't it? But yeah, Julie's on, on prep now. Um, for first show in April, which we're uh, very, very excited for. Um, how have you found prep? I know we haven't been on prep that long, but how have you found prep so far? It's only been a couple of weeks, but it's enjoyable. Like I always, I enjoy my time on just as much as I enjoy my time off. Like I always think there's a time and a place for dieting and not dieting. Um, and I feel like when it comes to that time of year where I'm going on prep, like I I just find so much enjoyment with like the structures with checking each box each day and just like seeing the progress of like the small little things, even though it's only been a couple of weeks and not many massive changes yet, but kind of just getting back into the swing of things is always fun. So it's been mm-hmm. good. That's interesting. And uh, yeah, a great point of what you made. And I think again, one of your strongest attributes is having that ability to, to switch on and switch off. And um, like, I think when you're on prep, you have that all in mentality, but great characteristics and i think you know maturation of the athlete is you have a good good ability to switch off as well you know like when it's time for you to move remove yourself away from prep you don't have that emotional attachment to that process you have a very good understanding of each individual phase and what needs to be done and like when we finished up your last prep it was okay it's time to grow and that's a very different transition to make from being photo shoot prep getting as lean as possible to almost like effective immediately we're like right into an off-season, into an improvement phase. We have a goal for 2023. We need to attack that goal. 
it can be very difficult to make that switch and you have that good ability to transition out of that um which is really really cool so about the prep itself have, have you found obviously it's quite different than a photo shoot prep right it's a lot more kind of things to do in regards to like the posing setup and all of that how have you found that element because obviously it, this is obviously we've been on prep before but this element is something completely new how have you found like the posing routine and stuff like that um i think that's the hardest part of this prep i guess is just kind of that's something i'm uncomfortable with because i mean we've talked about it before i can get in condition and i know i can get in condition but having a stage presence and getting comfortable like in a bikini and posing in heels and knowing there's going to be other girls like up there against me uh is kind of just a a hurdle that i'm overcoming but i like the challenge it's something different this time around rather than just like getting lean and doing this for myself and knowing like i'm my biggest competition where it's where it's now like i'm gonna have girls on my right i'm gonna girl have girls on my left like i actually have to be like the best of the best you know <laughs> Yeah, and that, that's, I think, the, the biggest shift for us in that initial conversation was well, we know you are super competitive, but you've only really been competitive against yourself up to this point. Like when we had that conversation last year about potentially stepping on stage. And then the second we like opened up that conversation of, OK, well, can we then inevitably be competitive against other people? It's like for both of us, this light bulb moment went off and we we're like, yes, of course we can. But um, no, that will come. Look, and I think the, the big thing for you is just get the first show done and dusted so you can get comfortable up on that stage you can gain the confidence up there because you can't experience it until you're actually there you know and i remember for my very first show i had the same thing you know like worrying and stressing about who else is going to be there and am i going to get my posing right am i going to mess it up am i going to do this am i going to you know do my tan wrong you just get the first one out of the way because there might be some minor little things that you know we don't get to 100 percent, but that's why we have a, a very good run, runway of shows for you lined up and um, which is going to be which is going to be pretty cool and um, which i'm coming to as well my first ever trip to the states which i cannot wait to i'm going to be full-blown off season as well so i cannot wait to eat all the food come back 20 pounds heavier after a three-day trip it's going to be the, the best trip for me yeah, we can go straight to IHOP post-show. <laughs> yes, that's an inside joke. Me and Julie were talking about me coming over and the first thing I said is I want to go to IHOP. And obviously I've never been to the States before. And Julie's like, are you sure? It's a lot of better places to eat than IHOP. But I just have it in my head. It's a thing that a lot of bodybuilders do in the States. They go and eat in IHOP. So that's where we're going, post-show. The post-show meal, we go to IHOP. Sounds good. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to... Um, talk to you today some of the nutritional considerations for a prep and like we said just kind of like give you guys a bit of an insight into our thought processes behind these things and just kind of like open up a, a pretty good discussion about how i like to program things so julia likes to program things but probably very similar to be fair and um, why don't we kind of take it back to the very start of a prep and we have this you know new base point that we're going to operate from from a nutritional perspective, Jay, what's your strategy for somebody who wants to start off a prep or start off like a pretty aggressive diet phase? What would be the first things from a nutritional perspective that you would do? Uh, first things first, get food up into like a nice high point. Because if you think about a prep, it's a long process. Um, someone comes in and they're already on low food. You really don't have much to pull from. 
without them being like absolutely miserable. Like if you have a 20 week prep ahead of you, you're coming in at already at like 1500 calories. Where can you, where can you go from there? Right. So it's always smarter, like taking a week or two or a couple of weeks to get food up nice and high. Yes. It's uncomfortable. Most of the time for females, like that's the biggest pushback I see from clients too. It's like, it's so hard to get my food up, but I feel like a lot of people don't understand how much it's going to benefit them in the long run of first starting off nice and high and then slowly pulling away and kind of seeing the changes over time rather than just going right into the deep end, like from week one. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And just one thing that you, you touched on there that I wanted to ask when, when you said like your, your client, you kind of had that little bit of a struggle with them or, or they had a, a not, not your, um, not a struggle on your end, but a struggle on their end to get their food high. What has been something that you've done to kind of like, ease the waves with their emotions and ease, ease the waves with their, I suppose, emotional attachment towards low food. Cause probably a lot of people listening to this, when you said that it was like a light bulb moment where like, Oh, that's kind of me. Like I have my food down quite low and I'm kind of afraid to get it higher. What would be like a protocol you would take with your clients to make sure, right. We're getting your food up and this is how we're going to kind of like climb the ladder to get your food higher. So off the bat, I know it's not going to be very easy if someone's coming in low to automatically put them up like 500 calories. So if it's someone who's already eating really low, like slow, slow points, I'm like, all right, a hundred more, a hundred more calories this week. And then we'll add a hundred more the week after. And then it'll be a longer process for sure. Um, and then we might have to push out their prep a little bit longer, but doing that work in the back end of slowly bringing their food up. So it's not so uncomfortable in that first week that they feel like they're like overeating and like sluggish and things like that um, to kind of get their food up. I also will recommend to them. They'll struggle with finding foods that are more like, I guess, high volume to like easily get their food up. So I'll sometimes I'll write out like a couple meals that like I would suggest for them, like having like cereal or throwing like a bagel in there and things like that, that are pretty, like high in calorie to help them get their food up without feeling so full rather than, I don't know, a bowl of Jasmine rice where you feel really, really full after eating. Um, so kind of just throwing some tips and tricks in there like that. Um, but definitely taking it slow. If there's someone who is like really not comfortable with getting their food up in the first place. Yeah. I think it's, it's breaking that barrier of emotion and logic. You know, there's obviously a, a side that we need to be on us as coaches. We understand the logical, element you know you need to have your food high starting a prep you've got a very long runway ahead of you that in essence variables need to be played to get you from point a to point b we understand that they don't necessarily understand that because they're on the emotional element they think well i'm on low food now if i push my food up i'm going to start gaining weight whereas nine times out of ten we see the opposing you know if someone's on 1500 calories a day doing 45 minutes of cardio then nothing is happening when you pull cardio and push food up, you're giving the body that adequate response. And it's going to, going to become quite responsive at the back end of that, where we'll gradually see like we'll push food up and then the scale will start to move in our favorable direction almost instantaneously. But I think for them, they need to see that first to get that element of, okay, I kind of trust this process. And then they can start to come over onto that more logical side of the conversation then. But if, if you are listening and that is you, you know, first of all, just trust your coach. You know, they know what they're doing. They've been down these roads before. And it's from like a protection standpoint as well. Look, me and me and Julia would do everything in our physical power to protect people from having bad preps where you have to go 
sub thousand calories a day, three hours of cardio per day. We'll, we will fight a very, very big fight to not make that happen. But when you come in and your food is so low and cardio is so high, you are inevitably starting off that process and you're going to go down a road where that inevitably is going to happen. And I think a good way to like think about these processes, it's like putting, you know, bullets into a, a gun, loading up the chamber before you go out into a gunfight. You know, you want to have as many bullets in that chamber as you physically possibly can to create the best chance of you coming at the back end of that gunfight in a pretty okay position. Whereas if you go in with, you know, super high field, very, very low expenditure, like low steps, low, low to no cardio at all, you're just loading bullets into the chamber. And those bullets are there ready to be used when prep begins. It's also like, I think the, the best analogy would be like playing cards and having 52 cards in your hand that you can play one card at a time instead of starting off a game of cards with two or three. And inevitably that's the position you put yourself in when food is down that low. But it's just about having that logical recognition, I think is the most important way. And having an ability to emotionally detach from that bad, I suppose, nutritional start point, we could say. And it's, it's, it's our job to be able to fix it, but it's your job to follow our guidance on that as well which i think that's where most people fall down right dude it's like they just don't have that trust within themselves or trust within the coach's ability potentially to get their field high would you agree i agree um and i feel like a lot of the time i just i i find myself saying to clients too it's like what clearly you've like you've come on because you're not seeing results like with what you're doing and you're not happy with the way things are going right now. So would you rather like stay down that path and be spending your money to have a coach to like not listen to them? Or would you rather like take a leap, um, just kind of put your trust in someone and try it, you know? And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, you're in the same position you came in. You're not going to get in a worse position. Um, and then if it does work, it works and you're happy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and trying to create a different response and inevitably if you're in that cycle of you know low food high expenditure we have to understand the principle of adaptation as well you know the more we do the same thing the more your body will in essence adapt to it and lessen its ability to change whereas we have to in essence break that response and try something new and look like jay said if you try it and it doesn't work you're in no worse position you're always going to be in a better position but the biggest change you can make is I, I put up a instagram story about this you know a couple of weeks ago it's like the biggest change you can make on prep is you changing you know you breaking your old habits emotionally detaching yourself from what you think is the most optimal way to do things and put the power into somebody else's hands who has that you know proven track record look we don't do what we do and get the results that we get just out of look you know it's it's by choice that we we get people into these positions because we understand the forecast of, of that road ahead, which I think is, is, is pretty cool. Um, right to it. So we've kind of covered like the start point of prepping are both, I suppose, favorable, uh, most favorable approach of getting food high, creating the most optimal start position. Now, well, I think we'll talk about like the nutrition structures that we can run by. So the two kind of primary bar going into like baseline to highs, you know, high, medium and low, just your general setup of nutrition, how we can program nutrition, meal plans, or if fit your macros, where do you think, uh, maybe we'll talk at the start point of prep first, what do you think is most applicable or, or what would you favor to have a meal plan or would you favor a more flexible approach at the start of prep? 
I think it's very dependent on the person, but I would say at the start, I think if it, if it fits your macros is fine, like a more flexible approach is fine at the start. I think once you move into like the deep end of a prep where food is getting lower, things are getting more intense, like you're getting more fatigued. Um, a meal plan is just, is easier on, on the person who's in the prep. I know from my personal experience, like when I'm 16 weeks in, the last thing I want to do is make one more choice. Like in my day, I can't, I can't even make a choice to be honest. So just knowing that I have a meal plan, and I know exactly what I have to eat, like kind of just takes out uh, that variable of like, I don't know, it could take a split second to like eat my chicken and rice meal or like go and eat something crazy. And so just having that structure there makes it a lot easier uh, to stay on plan um, and, you, and just stay on track. Mm. No, many percent of the, the, the initial position of prep, like your start point, like we spoke where you're on, your food is going to be a lot higher. You know, you do in essence have that opportunity of flexibility because food is so high. And when food is high, you know, decision making protocols are always going to be a lot easier. But I think there's definitely value in both. Right. I think there's, there's value in a meal plan because I think it creates good structure at, at the beginning. But then there's also value in flexible because it, it creates an opportunity where they can feel less restrictive for longer. You know, there is going to be an element at time where restriction has to come in. Look, restriction must always reflect the outcome of the goal. If you're just a lifestyle client and you're just looking to lose a little bit of weight for a holiday, the position of restriction might not even ever come into play because it's not reflecting on the goal. So you look at getting into real photo shoot condition. We're talking actual photo shoot condition for a male or a female. Restriction hugely correlates with that goal. So, but not at the very beginning. It will at time. So I think, yes, both have immense value and purpose in the beginning. Like I said, the meal plan gives you that fundamental position of structure. And I think for from a coach's perspective, and I, I want people to understand why me and Jay might favor a meal plan early because we both understand nutritional delivery. We both want to create the most optimal plan for you. We are getting the most amount of protein that you need. We are getting your micronutrients, your fruits, your veggies. We have, you know, your carbohydrates planned around the training window. Everything that we're going to do from that structure inevitably is going to benefit you. Energy balance may still remain the same, but you have to look past that point and then look at like your micronutrients, like what are we getting from the veg? What are we getting from the fruit? What are we getting from the types of protein? We're not going to be putting in a lot of processed food. When if we had somebody who potentially didn't understand that level of nutritional detail, they might come in and again, flexibility, there's no umbrella over flexibility. It says everything has to remain inside this umbrella and nothing can come in or out. It's an open playing field. So they're, they're not going to have that unless again, it's somebody who has a very, skilled eye at this they're not going to have that detail to nutritional delivery nutritional value so i think if we were to like steer that into a into a conversation it's like person dependent we both see value in each but it's like who do we choose it for if it's someone who has a poor understanding of food and doesn't really understand the things that we just spoke about we could probably both agree with a meal plan is way more favorable but it's like if I was saying to Jay, which we, we didn't, she's on the meal plan now, but right, your first six weeks of prep, you just go and be flexible. I trust her ability to do it because she understands what I would expect from a meal plan. And like vice versa for myself on prep, I would happily run the first six, eight weeks 
more flexible putting my own meals together because again i understand that but not a lot of people do understand that i'm flexible dieting we need to be a little bit more niched into like okay we're talking about flexibility of good food sources like i'll give you 10 food sources you choose from you just chop and change like there's a substantial difference between jasmine rice and pop tarts yes they're both carbohydrate sources but there's a very big difference between the type of carbs you're going to consume your sugar contents the other micronutrients that's found in them and that's inevitably what we're trying to elicitate it's the position of fatigue you know that decision making fatigue look, look we've both been in very very deep ends of prep before where energy balance is down very low hunger signaling is up very very high can you honestly imagine dude having to walk into a supermarket with three or four hundred calories left and trying to think what am i going to eat like piece together a meal like how difficult would that be no that would be that would be honestly probably one of the hardest decisions i remember after last prep i walked in to i went grocery shopping like after i was done like my prep my meal plan everything was done i walked in the grocery store and i was like whoa like i'm not on autopilot i can like buy different things and i was like i have to make some decisions right now and it was like such an eye like kind of like an eye opener i was like i have not had to think about this in so long i've just came in here i've gotten the same things every single time i come in i go home i eat the same things and it's like not even a thought so I, I definitely think that's important towards the end of a prep is like not having that decision to make because it's just another added thing on your plate when you're already trying to check all the boxes. So I feel like having a meal plan in the end is definitely the way to go. Yeah. And just kind of what you touched on there, really good point. I think you don't want to have to think at the back end of a prep and just to like add something onto that point. I think habits are fundamental during a prep. Like we become very habit-based individuals like we go for our cardio at the same time we take get our steps at the same time we train at the same time we have very structured regimented meal plans inevitability i think the meal contents needs to be in that same structured regimented approach and that just comes down to your habits you become a very habit-based individual and when you have those decisions to make like you just spoke about and what we just touched on like you're going into a supermarket and you know what you have to buy. You don't think about anything. You're not thinking about calories, what's in this or that. You're just following, in essence, what's in your plan. When you start making decisions, decisions can be good or bad. Look, it's impossible to give context on this unless you've been here before. Like That's why me and Jay can give great context because like last year, we, we both were in prep. Jay did a photo shoot. I competed and um, I stepped on stage. So we both, like within the space of the last 12 months, have had that position of you're walking into a supermarket you've got one meal left you know what's on your meal plan you just get it you pick it up and you leave what tends to happen and i have seen this in the past like look i've coached people through photo shoots using a flexible approach i've coached people to stage using a flexible approach before like i said some people have an unbelievable ability to do it i'm coaching a girl neve at the moment she's a star prep at the same time as you should be competing actually the her first show is the weekend after we fly to i fly to the state so her show is the 29th i believe so exactly the weekend after so she's kind of more or less like parallel with you um on prep and i I fully trust her ability to be flexible because i see the food she posts like she's like pre-workout meal post-workout meal meal two it's what we would in essence program anyway so when you see that you're like okay i trust her ability but that's her ability at 15 weeks out what's her ability at four weeks out at three weeks out, at two weeks out, when you are really in that deep end, 
that's what me and Jay are trying to talk about. It's that, again, it's hard to give context unless you've been there, but you don't know what it's like having to walk into a supermarket when you are very hungry, very tired, and your mind is going to make probably emotional decisions that don't correlate with the goal, but it starts habits. So there'll be one time where you'll say, instead of having my Greek yogurt and my berries, I'm just going to have, you know, a bagel and peanut butter instead. That's one choice. And then it's, okay, calorie for calories, yes, it's the same, but then in fact, a habit. The next time you go and you change something else and then calories start to get a little bit skewed. And then it's instead of doing it one meal per day, you're doing it two meals per day. Instead of doing it for two, you're doing it for three, for three or four. And all of a sudden you, you've lost that control because you become way too open to that position of, of, okay, flexibility then is important. And you start to make poor food choices and then it starts to impair your digestion. It could potentially impair your ability to lose scale weight or improve body composition. Digestion is the core of body composition change. And we need to keep a very good structured routine around optimizing digestion, not ruining digestion. And it can come down to air habits, but it's a very, very important point to make, I think. And just we need to be very aware of the decisions that we make and the potential impacts that they can have at different stages of a prep. Again, if you've never been here, it's very hard. Like I remember when I was in the last, last push of the prep we just did, and we did a 10-day run where I just did protein and veg. That's it. Just, just pro-veg. I wouldn't go near a shop. No chance. I got my partner to order the food every single day, deliver it to the door, just because I couldn't put myself in that situation. Because when you're put in front of that type of temptation, especially when it's around food, it's very difficult to say no to that temptation around food. Sometimes you're better off just removing that temptation away. And like we said, just become that that robot. But um, we both understand we've hooked in there before. Yeah. No, and I I agree. Like I last year before I was doing online coaching, I was I was a teacher. And my peak week last year uh was the last week of school. So I'm sure it's the same over there as it is over here. But the last week of school in primary elementary school, it's like parties on parties, like the kids are eating cupcakes, chips, ice cream, like it's crazy. And if I had a flexible approach like in my in that last end. Yeah. Um, when I didn't have my meals, like in my lunchbox with me, like who I, I have no idea what would have happened because if I had that flexible, like approach in my mind, whereas like I could have like a, a bite of this, or I can have a little bit of this, yeah. I, I probably, uh, I probably lost control to be honest, but just having that, that black and white, it's like, I have my meals weighed out. I have my salt weighed out. <laughs> I have to eat this at this time today um it just takes out it's like there's no there's no yes or no it's like yes i have i have to eat this there's no decision to be made yeah and just even like a, a very minute variable you said there it's like sodium sodium on a peak week is one of the most important variables you can manage like can you in essence manage the sodium that's from like cookies cakes chocolate it's, it will be impossible and it's, it's like one of those micromanagement tools that you're really trying to optimize because the more you can measure the more we can manage inevitably but um no that's that's yeah that's really cool but yeah no it definitely is the same um over here like last week of school last couple of days of school term it isn't that the kids bring in you know chocolates and cakes and stuff like that and it's like parties all around but you know a very very good point um to make anything else you want to uh touch on that one I don't think so. I think we covered it all. Yeah. Um, it kind of leads on to a good point next. We're talking about structurizing 
refeeds or meals off plan. And there is a very big difference between the two. Um, will you just give me like a little bit of a breakdown of, in by definition of yourself, what would you define a refeed? What would you define then a, a meal off plan, like a free meal? So I would say a refeed is bringing food up like specifically like carbs up when you're eating at a very low position for a while, or even like once a week having a refeed day where food goes from being pretty low to up to a higher point, but still eating like the same kinds of foods. So eating very clean, having your meal plan, just higher volume. I would say a meal off is going out and getting something that's like fast food or takeout um, or a meal at a restaurant that you're not necessarily tracking and it's not like what you normally would eat um but having that meal off for like a night out yeah 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 100 and the meal off plan especially there it's like a really good point to make it so like you said that break it's like you just said like you get to go and not track you get to go and spend time with like your significant other your friend your family and just not think about prep and people will, will, will have this assumption that you can go through a prep without ever having a refeed without ever having a meal off plan It's very very rarely that happens now if you do it right now if you do it right you will have like you've had two refeeds a week for the first four weeks of your prep bar this week where i took one away but you're still having one a week now it is a, a very very good position to be had from a refeed we've got i'll go into like the mechanisms of a refeed now in a moment but for you i want you to kind of give your take on when you think a refeed is like applicable during a prep or when do you feel that you would be most favored to program a refeed for someone throughout a prep process um well i think when it's beneficial i guess for the person is when it comes to like having, let's say, for example, for me, I now have like six low days per week. Honestly, from a mental, like emotional standpoint, it gives me like motivation to like be absolutely spot on all week. I'm like, all right, I have six days of eating low, feeling a little bit hungrier, energy's a little bit lower. But once I get to Saturday, like I know I get more food and I know I'm going to feel really good on Saturday. Like once I get that, um, also kind of just from again, a mental emotional point, like watching your scale weight and your physique throughout those like six days, like change of eating low, um, and then pumping yourself full of more food on that one day. Um, and then lifting the weight, like you look fuller, you feel fuller, you feel really good after it. Um, just from that standpoint, it feels really good when it comes to like giving it to a client, I would say a refeed is necessary when you start to see like some of their, their scale weight kind of teeter like plateau you're not really seeing any more drops drops down um you start to see their energy levels drop uh they're they're not able to focus as much throughout the day um they lose focus in like the task at hand and things like that um it just means that you've been running low food for too long um and we need to just get some more food in the system and a very good point to make what what jay just said there was like assessing the client's needs to be refed, right? Look, we all want refeeds in and they play a great point and a purpose, but when we can understand that not everyone needs it. Look, if you're losing scale weight every single week, like Jay just said, you're not seeing that stabilization or stalling on the scale. You're consistently dropping. Your energy is good. Your mood is good. Your ability to focus is good. Your training performance is good. 
still getting body comp changes, even if you're on 1,300, 1,400 calories a day, but you're still making those movements, there's a very big difference between being hungry and just wanting a refeed versus actually needing a specific refeed. Now, to kind of like use Julia's point of um, a point of reference here as to when we could like auto-regulate a refeed, which is what Julia was talking about, where you have like a baseline diet plan and when we, when we feel as coaches, the most applicable time, this is more primarily towards like the back end of prep. Jay was talking about where it's like, you would have that like pendulum swing of fatigue where today you could feel fine. Energy's up. Ability to focus is good. Tomorrow you could be in a hole. That's where we would be looking at that, like more auto-regulated approach. But we then have like a pre-programmed refeed and it can play a very, very big role um, in improving a lot of mechanisms in the body. So the way, the reason why we, Start off, Judy's prep, and just for reference, when Judy said she's on six low days, her low day food is not even that low, right? I think she was like sympathy saying she's on six low days in a row. She's not even on that low food at the moment, right? What's your low day calories now? Uh, 1,700. There we go. That's not bad by any means for six low days. So that's not bad. And she's about two, two, five or two, six is your spike, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So what we're inevitably to be looking to do here, or in essence, looking to see and, and track is a deficit. So we had Julia last week on five low, two high. This week we made a little adjustment to six low, one high, because he wants to create a further deficit within the week, but still give her that ability to be refed. So amongst the trajectory of those six days, what's going to start to happen is when Julia takes in a refeed, she's going to get a big spike in certain mechanisms in the body. So like her, her functionality with the thyroid, it's going to spike. A lot of those sex hormones are going to spike up as well, because you have something called metabolic upregulation and metabolic down regulation as well. Now, when the metabolism is on the up and up, the up regulation, you can see a really, really good response from a fat loss perspective. Um, but when the metabolism starts to drop down, we see those abilities to, um, I suppose, enhance the physique lesson. So that's what we, we want to talk about refeeds and meals plan because they play a substantial role in your body's functionality within a deficit. So across the six days, what's going to start happening to Jay now is she will see this declining effect where her thyroid function is going to come down, where certain elements around fat metabolism are going to start to slow down. The general metabolism itself is going to start to slow down because you always have to understand your metabolism plays an immediate role on where your food is. It plays a role in energy balance. If food is high, the metabolism is high. If food is low, the metabolism is low. So how can we, in essence, produce the best possible outcome from a fat loss perspective? keep the metabolism high what's the only real way we can do that in a diet push food high but we can't push food high all the time because then you're not in essence in a deficit that's why these almost like weekly and we had two a week at the start of prep 4j really come into play because we'll see that ability to spike it'll almost be like a peak in a valley every single week with julia it's like she's these massive peaks and spikes and hormones driving fat loss then we see this drop back down but on that drop we can still lose but we're trying to almost like catch the lowest point. And then we immediately drive up again. Now, when Julie was talking about the back end of prep, what we're in essence doing then, or what Julie was talking about, identifying those areas of concern, uh, Jay was identifying the drop basically, where she's like, your ability to focus is down, your libido is down, your just overall energy levels throughout the day. That's when you've hit rock bottom. When those hormones have inevitably hit that rock bottom place. And what does Julie do? She identifies that and she gives you a refeed and we get that metabolic spike. And I think the most 
powerful way to lose weight in a prep during those times is to spike food up, right? Like how many times have we done it during your preps where we're running low, running low, running low. We give you like a big refeed and almost like, you can almost like think into the future and be like, I can guarantee you in two or three days, we'll hit a new low weigh in. And it almost always happens, right? It's like a 99.9% chance you're going to hit a new low, low weigh in after we have a refeed, right? Yeah, like every single time. <laughs> Maybe not like the exact day after, obviously, but a couple yeah. days later, it's always it's always a new low. We, we find those peaks and valleys in scale as well. And that's what we, we need to like, I, I suppose, speak about like that, that tracking metric as well. Like when you're looking at scale weight, scale weight on a prep is going to be peaks and valleys. You're going to see your two-day refeeds. You could go up like 0.6 of a kilo after a two-day refeed. But then what you have seen it this week and last week, you hit those immediate pull pulls back down. You're about 122.6 after your refeed this week, right? And then you were like 122 prior. Yeah. So like we have those like little bits of a, of a peak, but we know now across this six-day period, you're going to hit some some new low weigh-ins, definitely. Um, and it's very interesting to see that. So the meals off plan then, right? So this is obviously a completely different approach that we like to take. When you're giving advice and guidance on a meal off plan, because obviously we have to be very careful with the language and methodologies that we use. Because if you say to someone, you can have a night off, that could <laughs> end tragic. What would be your like advice to a client? Or if we're saying, right, you're doing really well, you're dropping loads, we're just going to give you that night off. What would be like the points you would make in that conversation for their meal off plan? I would always say, think about like, I want you to go and I want you to enjoy yourself. Like the reason you're having your meal off because you've been pushing hard for like so many weeks, you've probably been saying no a lot to like all of your support systems. Um, so now I want you to go out. I want you to go to a restaurant. I'm like, but I always want you to think in the back of your mind, like what I eat tonight, is this going to make me feel good after, or is it going to make me feel like shit after yeah. honestly basically put like just think if i eat this meal right now how am i going to feel in three hours after it yeah. feel am i going to feel decent after i eat it maybe not the best as i would with my chicken rice meal okay um or am i going to feel like absolute garbage after i eat this and regret it so that's that's generally my rule of advice when i tell people to go out and like have their night out is still like have that conscious voice in the back of your head like enjoy yourself um think how is this going to affect me in the future later today yeah one one thousand percent there's a, a very very good piece of information that you just said there and i really want everyone to to listen to this julie said you need to be conscious about what you're doing right you need to have that like awareness of the meal because look jay if you said to someone look go out and have a sushi or a steak dinner or even to go to like a, a burger and a very good quality like burger and chip to burger and fries restaurant chips for our Irish listeners, fries for our American listeners, restaurant, they're going to feel okay versus go and have an extra large pizza, go and have a Ben and Jerry's, go and get cookies on the way home. Like how they feel is going to be substantially different. Um, and you're, we're still trying to stay within those proximities of nutritional delivery as well. You know, we're still trying to keep them in a deficit, not, not a deficit per se, but keep like, the focus points of a deficit, the focus points of good food value, good nutritional uh, habits in play, because you can have one day off, one meal off plan, and it can completely throw you off. And I, I'll just give you like some context behind that. When we 
when I was on, on prep, we were, I think we were exactly a week out, right before we started peak week. And I, I'd hit like a new low weigh-in. And I think I started off my prep at 110, 110 kilograms. And we finished up, what's that in pounds? Because I know people across your side of the world are not going to understand what it is in pounds. 110 times 2.2, 2, 240 pounds. And we finished up at 168. So 240 to 168. But when we hit that, I know it's disgusting, isn't it? When we hit that 168, we were just before peak week. And that's at the end of that like 10-day carb depletion run that we spoke about earlier on. My coach said, you can have a meal off plan. And I cannot explain how detrimental that was to my ability to get back on prep because I felt like it was over. I felt like that was like the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, you know yourself, Jay, right? How much of your mindset switches when you have that first meal off plan after prep, right? When you go out and have like a burger and chips or you all get a pizza, ice cream, whatever it might be. And you have that, like, you just have that overwhelming feeling of it's done. It's over. I'm in the clear. It's all done. I basically had that feeling that evening. I remember saying to my fiance that I'm going to, I'm going to find it really hard tomorrow to get back onto it. I just know it. My, my coach basically gave me like a full day off. Now I didn't take the day off. I like had my normal meals. And then that evening I had like, he had a good burger and chips and he was like, get a dessert, get an ice cream, like enjoy it. Like you've dropped like 70 something pounds at this point. Like we've hit your low way in. You're like, six pounds under your weight cap for classic like we can start to refill back up again coming into the week like inevitably the hard part is is done now have a celebration let's start your peak week tomorrow i can't tell you how hard it was to get back on track again like that was the, the, the next morning i never forget sitting on that spin bike 90 minutes of cardio to do low field run to get back to it was like going stepping like I, I felt like getting released from prison for one day and like being with your family for a day and having to go back in, that sounds so drastic, but that's what it felt like. That 90 minutes of cardio was the hardest 90 minutes of cardio on prep. That low food day was just torturous. But the, the point I'm trying to make, you have to be very careful with where you put this in. Like Abby, who is competing in the same show as you that we're all going over to in April, she had a meal off plan last weekend. I gave her a burger and chips just simply because she was moving way too quick she's dropping like two pounds per week when she doesn't need to drop really anything at the moment her body just once we say once we say prep it just she drops three pounds in the scale automatically the second we talk about anything it's like her body just goes into overdrive the excitement just starts to shed weight off or she can lose weight very very quickly but she's moving too quick but she's like 14 weeks out at this point now she's only started off her process it's very applicable for her now early on but you just need to be quite aware of the social, uh, sorry, the psychological aspect of the client and where they in essence are. And I can say it right now, that meal off plan for me was a, was a bad decision. I, I'd say it was a bad decision to give me because I, I understood the impact of it. Now, if I was 20 weeks out and we made a big drop, that could have been a great decision because I'm still quite fresh, still quite early on, you know, I'm not in that deep, deep end. So just to give like some context on like the meal off plan versus a refeed debate it just has to be has to be circumstantial to the time and prep you know and i can like i said i can give you a, a first-hand experience there of i know if i had a high food day 
I would have felt fine the next day. But it's a, that, that sense of freedom that you inevitably get from a meal off plan. You have to choose that, choose that quite, quite, quite wisely. You know, and we, we've ran meals off plan with people. And um, I'm pretty sure you've had one do it when we've done preps before where we do a check and it's like, right, go burger and chips tonight. You are flat as a pancake. I need food back in the system. But they're usually, you know, a couple of weeks out where you're still pretty fresh and not in that very, very deep end of prep where the finish line is is in sight. Um, yeah, would, would you agree that it has to be a circumstantial to the to the time and where the individual is in most prep? Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I feel like if I was in the deep end of my prep, eating low food, 60 minutes of cardio a day, just straight up on robot mode of just go, go, go. Um, and you said go out and get a burger. I feel like, like you said, waking up the next day and trying to then program my mind back into it would be just a mental hurdle completely. Um, Hands down the the toughest decision that, you know, I ever had to to make, you know, the next day, I felt like honestly trying to tell them it was that tough, but we just need to be very, very careful with how we do it. And, you know, look, there's times when, you know, I've had female client, a girl, Avian, who did a photo shoot with me in that last year, the year prior. And almost like every single week, we, we gave her like the burger and chips just because she was running so flat. No matter what I gave her from a meal, from a refeed, was never going to like scrape the surface. Same with Abby, you know, again, Abby is a prime example. For Abby last year, I can tell you the amount of meals off plan she had on her prep. It was a lot because she got so lean that if we push like an extra little piece of the puzzle away and we got a, a 1% leaner, we had to refuel her back up again and re- refill because she just got to those positions where she was very, very flat. I'll pronounce that properly, F-L-A-T. She was very flat and she needed to be pushed back up. She needed to get that level of fullness. And, you know, look, sometimes people can't achieve that level of fullness without having a meal off plan, you know, Sometimes no amount of oats, rice, and cream of rice are inevitably going to fill those people back up again. And you'll see it in their physique. You give them a, a refeed and you'll check in tomorrow and they still look flat as a pancake. Whereas you give them a high day and replace their last meal with an extra large burger and chips and the sodium and the grease. Not the most optimal for digestion, but it's going to get them as full as a house. I can, I can guarantee you that one. Yeah, definitely not the best advice to give but when you're in those deep ends and you are that flat you you'll understand the importance that i can that i can have um right there are good points to uh good points to make um when we're making adjustments on prep when when we're gonna like start lowering food down we're gonna start making some changes what are some of the signs that you inevitably would look for from the client's feedback check-in sheets that would say right now it's time we we start making some some changes um i would say looking at their scale weight and their physique pictures number one um if things are kind of looking the same for weeks on end um there's not much changing not much movement it's definitely time to drop food down or add some more cardio in mm. um well yeah, we're talking about nutrition end, <laughs> not really cardio. Right, do this the same. Like we're, we're talking about like changes on prep, so you can definitely pull that into the conversation, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, especially like if their if their hunger is low um, and their scale weight is still holding the same, then I think it's definitely time. If they're not if they're not hungry, 
yeah. <laughs> pull the food down, uh, see a little bit more, so some changes. I think a good, a very good point you made was that like identification of the client's feedback. You were like, if the hunger is very low, we have other tools to fix this problem inevitably, right? Like if their scale weight is not what's the, the percentage real, we always abide by 1%. We always try to hit that 1% body weight per week. Me and Jay understand that really, really well as to why that's important. Um, so we'll always try to look for that in our clients. 1% of body weight per week is optimal, we feel, for the rate of loss we want to achieve to get them to their goal. But, you know, good point you made there was like, if the client is very, very hungry, like we have a perceived hunger scale on our check-in sheets, one to five. One is very low hunger, five is very high. If we are checking in with our clients and their perceived hunger scale is five every single day, you have other tools in essence in the toolbox, right? Like you just said, it doesn't always have to come from, does not have to come from food. We can drop their, we can push their cardio higher. We can push their steps higher. We can make those correct adjustments. Um, is there anything else you, you'd look at like in reflection to like the, the time of prep left? Like if you have a 20 week prep versus a four week out adjustment to be made, like, is there any changes to the aggressiveness in those changes that you'd make? Uh, yeah, I would say at the beginning of prep, uh, small, <laughs> small changes from the back. Cause like we talked about before previously, like you never want to come in. Well, not never, but most of the time you don't want to come in too hot, like pulling all of the tools out of your tool belt, like right off the bat. And then once you're in the deep end, you don't have a whole lot left to pull from. Um, but say you're four or six weeks out, you're not looking near condition, um, making a major drop or pulling food just when it's necessary. Like there's a time to kind of drop the hammer at the end of a prep and just know that food has to get low if you want to get in that condition. Um, and you're just going to kind of have to suffer at the end, but definitely time timing plays a huge role in, if you have 20 weeks, you don't really feel the need. You can pull in more cardio. Um, you can kind of manipulate steps. Like you said, manipulate the other things in that, in the back end or in the front end. <laughs> but as you get deeper in, like there's only so much cardio you yeah. can do. There's only so many steps you can get in a day. There comes a point where you're just going to have to drop food if you want to get shredded. Yeah. And look, I think as, as well, right. A, a really good point to make. And I think why myself and, and Julia understand these processes and Julia can give like good context on this. And I suppose this is a good conversation because I can give it from my end as the coach and you can give it from your perceived end as the client from the last you know, two preps that we've done. You can never fear like bringing people into those deep wars as well right we talk about this all the time jay right when we have these conversations i always say to you don't fear bringing them into the deep end it's your job to make sure they don't sink and what we in essence mean by that is also as coaches right i have an unbelievable relationship with julia like she's a coach of mine but she's a really close friend as well but i don't care about making her prep as hard as possible i really don't i, I will make it as difficult as it needs to be because it's the reflection of the goal i can remove myself emotionally from that situation and i can make adjustments to her plan and i i it doesn't make a difference on my end of how hard it's going to be on her if her perceived scale of hunger is a five and i have a nutritional adjustment to make i'm going to make it because it's reflecting of the goal and i think that's why me and you have that understanding within our client base right we know look you're going to coach your friends your family clients you have a great relationship with don't ever fear making those drops because 
inevitably it's those changes that you make as a coach that you have to second guess at times and say, this is going to be tough, but we have an outcome. We have a, a goal to achieve. We have to make those adjustments to the goal. You just have to be able to emotionally detach yourself away from those decision-making processes and just think extremely logical about them. Do not think with emotion when you're making decisions on prep because nine times out of 10, it's going to be the, the, the worst or the worst of the two decisions that you'll make. You know, if you stay within your logical thought process, your logical focus point, it's always going to be a good decision. It's always going to have a positive outcome. Whereas if we stay quite emotional, I would say to myself, I don't want to make her prep harder. I don't want to make, I don't want to make her hungrier. I don't want to, you know, make her cardio too difficult. Or you can have that, okay, it needs to be done. Remove yourself from that situation. So from a coaching perspective, as there is a lot of coaches who do tune in and listen, I don't don't fear those decisions because you're going to be faced with them. And you're going to be faced with them like I am with Julia this year, like we were last year. We've got a great relationship, but I'm not afraid to make those decisions. I'm not afraid to make her prep hard because we both have that understanding that inevitably it needs to be hard to get to get to the goal, which I just thought was a really good point uh, to make when you were saying that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I feel like, I mean, we've had those conversations before because I feel like I have come to you and I've been like, well, like, I don't know if I should like put them on this amount of cardio because like, I don't know if it's going to work with their, like, I just kind of start making excuses like for why I shouldn't like push my clients as hard as I should. Um, and you've come back at me and you're like, no, you got to like, if this was you and you wanted to get in photo shoot condition, like, would you want me saying these things? And I was like, no, you're right. Um, there comes a point where it's kind of, you just have to kind of remove emotion from the decision and emotion from like the person you're kind of putting it through and realize that like they have a goal for themselves and we as coaches have to get them there and we know what's necessary and it may not be the most fun process in the world of doing um an hour of cardio and having food very low but if you want to achieve those great results sometimes you just kind of put your head down and get to work <laughs> you said it you said it very well dude and um, you just have to remove emotion from it and it's it's tough to do, and I think that's a very it's it's a it's a mature thing as a coach to be able to do that, you know. And like we've had it with you and your clients this, this year. It's been like you've you've asked the question, I've, I've given you a, a very logical response, and I think you know just that hunger for the result is very important. And we talk about it all the time. It's like you have to want your result more than the client, one hundred percent. I think that's potentially a downfall with a lot of coaches as to why they don't get um the results just simply because they don't make those aggressive pushes. You know, they, they don't make those leaps forward that we inevitably have to make to get um, our clients to, to where we want to be. And I think that's absolutely spot on. Um, just kind of touching back on what you were saying about manipulating those variables. Um, at the start, you were saying, look, I don't push too hard, which I fully agree with. At the end, you're like, I don't mind pushing you know, much more aggressive. Um, you were talking about like your, your time scale within both just just talking back to the star point is there a preference you'll make first like if you have someone at like a 20 week out mark and you're like right first couple of weeks everything has ran quite well you haven't really adjusted much what would always be like your first change to make would it be food would it be cardio would it be steps like what would be the first change that you always like to pull in at the start of a process uh, my first change would definitely be manipulating cardio and steps before bringing food down yeah uh, 
just because thinking like you had a 20 week prep, you want to leave food as high as you can for as long as you can. Um, that's just going to make the client happier. It makes me happier when my food is higher for longer, um, makes your motivation to like complete all the steps better too. You know, at the end of the day, food is fuel. You know, if you want to do more cardio, the food is going to help you like get out of bed in the morning and do it. Um, and then I, I would say running a nice path of like increasing cardio over time. Um, and then start pulling food down once cardio is already in a nice, good position. Yeah. No, one million percent. And look, there's, and it just kind of, I suppose it's just maybe like reflects, reflects back to the very first point that we made as well. We both said, look, at the start of a process, we need to try to keep the variables in a good spot. You know, you want to make sure food is high, expenditure is down low. And what Julia inevitably did was she just kept that food variable high and then just allowed that secondary variable of expenditure to start to creep and rise throughout the process. And inevitably, there's going to be a crossover at some point, right? There's going to be a crossover where food starts to taper down and expenditure starts to creep up to a high position. But I think the a great attribute of a coach is understanding when those changes are to be made, right? It's like when... Do we allow food to make that drop down? When do we allow cardio to bring that push up? And like you said, trying to keep food as high as possible prolongs that from, from happening, right? Like prolongs that position and from having to, to make those adjustments. And coming into the, to the back end of prep then, you know, obviously we're trying to still keep food as, as high as possible, but would you have like a, I suppose like maybe like a, a goal of right, an adjustment has to be made here, right? I'm going to pull off, x amount of calories per time like you have like a reference point or do you just like auto regulate it to where their food is at the time um i'm not sure i'm not sure what the question what do you mean so let's say if you had someone who was eight weeks out and like we have to make a drop here would you have like a if a focus in your head to like right, i'm going to pull off 200 cows 150 cows 20 grams of carbs like, do you have like a a rough idea already, like a, almost like a pre-programmed, okay, this is going to be a 200 cal drop, a 500 cal drop, a 100 cal drop. Do you have like set cals in your head that you drop each time or do you just take it like case by case, client by client? Um, I would say most of the time I have a pretty clear roadmap of if they're starting here and they have a 16 week diet planned out for them. Yeah. Um, I would say every three to four weeks dropping like 150 to 200 calories, um, while also within that time up in cardio so that you have like a pretty clear roadmap for like a rate of loss from day one until, or week one to week 16 of the changes that need to be made and seeing that progress over time. And then obviously each person is different and not every, it's not clear, not, it's not going to be the same for each and every single client that comes in that roadmap. Sometimes you'll have to make greater changes or you don't have to change much and you see a great rate of loss. So really playing it by ear. But most of the time I follow that general rule, like every three weeks, yeah. dropping, changing, adding something else. Yeah. No, but the reason why I asked, because I know a lot of people like will immediately, like the second the diet begins, it's like, right. A thousand calories gone straight away. And they don't, when they don't understand, like you said, that logical like blueprint of the roadmap to be like, look at, you know, X weeks out, 10 weeks out, you want to have food in this position. At eight weeks out, you want to be able to make this drop of needs be at six weeks out. So you kind of have in your head that like pre-calculated, okay, uh, 
10, 8, 6, 4. You want to have food in those ranges so they can like make adjustments if needs be. I like that approach. It's, it's very well, very well calculated. Um, right, dude, that's kind of everything we needed to touch on. Is there anything else you wanted to run over or any other kind of points you wanted to make on what we spoke about? I don't really think so. Um, I think just knowing that when you go into like a prep or a photo shoot, it's like a lot of the times people think you don't got to do the work and you don't have to go into like the, the, you don't have to plummet down into the low, deep, dark times and like kind of just go through it. But if you want to achieve like the absolute shredded photo shoot physique, you just have to do hard things. Like it doesn't come easy. You have to just listen to your coach. You have to just eat your meal plan and you got to do the work. Yeah. And there's, there's very, very few, like your 1% exemptions of the real, but for 99.9% of people, they're going to have to do what you just said. They're going to have to get comfortable being very uncomfortable for a prolonged period of time where if your food has to drop, it has to drop. If you have to do double cardios, you have to do double cardios. And I think a good kind of like closing note on this would be like to achieve what others have achieved. You have to do what others have done. Right. And it's like, if you and I both like example, we're not exemptions of the rule, right. We both ran preps last year where I had to do 1600 calories a day and 90 minutes of cardio a day. You have to run like 1300 calories might be the lowest point we dropped into last year. And cardio is probably up at, 60 to 75 minutes per day they are very very tough positions to be in but we both understood that reflection of the goal demanded us to have this position but if you think you can take an alternative route and you think you can outsmart the system and you think you can have a cheat code to this approach unfortunately you're going to be let down at that at that end product right because look we both understand that you have to you have to push it but it's that I think it's that element of like commitment to the process as well that not a lot of people really understand. It's like look, you just have to be all in, just commit and understand. Again, if you want to do something that ninety nine percent of people cannot do, you have to do the work that they're not willing to do as well. You have to be able to run on very low field. You have to be able to just stick it on autopilot for a lot of that process and just just go, just follow and go. Don't try to outsmart the system. Don't try to cheat code, crack code the system because it will show. It will 100% show at the end. Noah, I fully agree with that. Totally. I think there's just, there's just something so fulfilling about just doing what you need to do to get where you want to be. And then the day after your show for you, the day after like my photo shoots, like it's, it's just, you just accomplish something that like 99% of people can't say they have. Um, and it's just one of the best feelings in the world. And I feel like just sticking to the plan a hundred percent the entire time and getting to that day, it's just, it's like a euphoric feeling. It's like, I just, I just did that. You know, <laughs> we, we, we talked about this before and I said that pay now versus pay later mentality, right? It's like, you can go through your entire prep, right. And have to suffer now and have to make sacrifices but that's you're paying now you're paying that consequence now you're you're suffering it's going to be difficult it's going to be tough sacrifice have to be made but that's your your payment there and then within the process or you can get to the end finish line and you have to pay then knowing 
that you didn't give it 100%. And knowing that your result was not at 100% and knowing that you could have been better just by applying yourself more. Dude, I don't think I could I could fathom that thought. I really don't. Like that, that must be a very difficult pill to swallow, having to walk away knowing you didn't go 100% all in. But I think that's why we can both give so much context on this because we both can put our hands up and say, throughout our preps, we didn't skip one beat. Like there wasn't one step missed on a day, minute of cardio missed, a calorie of food over-consumed. It was followed to a T. I think that's why we can both give some uh, some really good context on this topic. So no, that was that was cool. That was good. I agree. All right, buddy. All right, well. Podcast wrapped up, Jay. Really happy with that field. And um, it's now Monday the 23rd. This will probably be released by Wednesday. And we'll definitely have Jay on for more um for more discussions like this. Dude, they, I know you've been posting on my Instagram like a thousand times now, but if they don't know where to find you, what are your Instagram handles and where can people look you up? Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is just underscore as underscore jewel. So you can follow me on there. Uh, if you want to work with me or Adam as a coach, we have the team page. You can apply through the link in my bio or in his bio and we can get you started on your photo shoot prep. <laughs> Absolutely. Buddy. Right. Hope you all enjoyed and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll speak to you soon.